Welcome to Life in the Making, a podcast that explores the journey of friendship and self discovery. We're your hosts, Kia and Therese. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Life in the Making. This is Therese, and the focus of our talk today will actually be none other than Kia, as we get to learn about her current job, what matters to her in a career, what she enjoys or finds most rewarding, and much more. This episode is unique in that I will actually be interviewing Kia and asking her all sorts of questions as she dives into some of her own thoughts and values about what it means to be in the role she's in now. So to start off, Kia, what is your current job, the industry that you're in, and how long have you been working in your position? I am currently a high school English teacher in a charter school in East Los Angeles, and I have been teaching for almost two years now. And so what drew you into being a teacher, the job that you're in now? When I was younger, I've always played teacher with my younger sister and cousins, and I've always really enjoyed it. And so I've always been very passionate also about the educational disparities that's like historically impacted low income and POCs. However, I've also, you know, always known that being a teacher does not get paid well. So I figured that I wanted to do something else that will make an income and then later come back to education later on in my career. So I'm not making such a huge sacrifice financially. So I decided on being pre-med and becoming a doctor. But that was like, of course, easily decided for me when I took my prerequisite science classes on my first year of college. So I took chemistry and biology together. And of course, that was obviously too much for me because in a sense, I've always never been that good at science. But that being said, that taught me that even though I'm going to struggle in whatever major or career I choose, I wanted to enjoy the struggle. And of course, I was not enjoying my biology and my chemistry courses. And so I decided not to be pre-med anymore and major in English world literature to later on pursue um, to be a teacher and receive my credential through my master's program. So that being said, I think this taught me to just continue being true to myself and that it's okay to kind of like sacrifice my pay, right? Like if I feel good about going to work every single day, that should in a sense be a good enough incentive. You know, I'm not saying that of course my salary is good enough because I'm still advocating for teachers to be respected as well as receive benefits for, you know, all the hard work that they do. But I also didn't want to sacrifice my whole life becoming someone that I'm not just for the pay. Yeah, I know this question, Kia, is something that you've probably kind of known the answer to. And I feel like it must have been the question that kind of prompted you, right, to also become a teacher. And I feel like getting to work with students. So I'm curious, you know, what what do you find to be the most rewarding aspect of being a teacher? It's obviously the pay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but I, I agree that it's always the people. So for me, it's, of course, my students. I really enjoy getting to know them outside of being a student because they wear so many different hats and it's so interesting to know who they are outside of my classroom because who they are outside of my classroom impacts who I get to know them in the classroom. And so I'm a firm believer too that teaching is more than just my content, right? And my lessons. It's really about how my students interact with it and really internalize it. So I enjoy my students doing well and listening to my lessons, but how it really relates to their personal life and how they can utilize it in their everyday life, even when they aren't in my classroom anymore. And of course, you know, I think what really gets me up in the morning is just knowing like, yes, like I'm going to be teaching today and I'm super excited to see, you know, what's going on with my students. Like John, you know, I really enjoy his presence in my classroom, especially in period two, because he always cracks jokes or he always asks me how I'm doing. And I think that's what really 
really motivates me to be a better teacher even for all of my students, not just for John specifically, right? Just because he tells me jokes, but for all my students, because I know they need that person to just like really be there for them and to advocate and know that like, hey, like I know like life can be difficult or life is good to you depending on your situation. But as, as long as you know that consistently, like Ms. Vu is going to be there for you, if that makes sense, you know? And, and I think that's so important for students and kids and children overall to understand that like oh yeah like there's going to be someone consistent in your life and someone who's going to believe in you even if sometimes you may fall short so I think that's my most rewarding aspect of my job and I think that's why it's been a little bit difficult now with distance learning because I don't really get that one-on-one or that you know conversation with my students anymore because of course on zoom if I talk to one student all the students here um, of course unless I put them in breakout rooms but that's still even a little bit more difficult because it's like I'm just trying to talk to one student for a brief moment and I don't really get to see that interaction and also of course right with zoom not all my students have the cameras on so that makes it really difficult to have that very personal you know um, conversation when I don't really even get to see their face and so I definitely miss that but that's definitely one aspect where I continue to you know search for and um, within my classrooms so that being said we've both shared our like rewarding aspects of our job yeah, what would you say is the the most difficult aspect of, of your job? I think for me, of course, the most difficult aspect would also be my students. There is also really rewarding, but also really difficult because I struggled a lot in the beginning with classroom management because I wanted to be understanding and just have a warmer tone and demeanor, which made it really difficult for my students to take me seriously and for me to be very consistent. Also, I was a new teacher. So of course, kids like to test, you know, boundaries and everything. So I think with me, you know, coming off as like, you know, a warmer tone and demeanor and being a little bit inconsistent, that allows students to misbehave a lot more. But I don't think that's the most difficult aspect at the end of the day, just because I think that's just me better understanding my role and my position as a teacher. And so I think it came um, a lot easier because, you know, of course, I was just a first year teacher. I kind of didn't really know what to expect and what to do. So I think the actual most difficult aspect of my job is wanting and doing the best for my students, but feeling like I'm not because there's still students failing. And so I think for me, created a lot of like imposter syndrome as well as insecurities that I'm not doing enough and that I need to, of course, as if like I don't already utilize all my time and effort on lesson planning and on my work, but that I'm not still doing enough, you know, to be like, yes, I want you to do well. I want you to do well. And like, I'm like, I'm willing to hold your hand, but but it's like, it's not there because it's like, there's just so many other factors that have created for you to mistrust adults and mistrust teachers that like, oh yeah, like you just want me to pass. But it's like, no, I want you to be successful. And I think that's the main goal of my classroom that I want you to be successful beyond my class, right? I want you to be a well-informed citizen, you know, an adult who feels prepared to tackle any challenges in life, right? I'm teaching you more than just how to read and write, but like how to, in essence, read papers and to make those inferences and know the keywords for like a government document or to be able to write a cover letter, right? So it's just more than just like, I want you to pass this class, but I want you to be prepared for this real world. I know that you discussed it in the beginning, but I'm curious just to learn more about your own thought process for when you first decided that you wanted to become a teacher, um, or if maybe down the line you had some 
wavering opinions. I, I want to hear more about your, your journey and thought process in that. Yeah, definitely. Before I even like dive into that, I just want to say, wow, I think there's always sometimes this performance that goes on, especially when you're performing to be something that you're not. And so I think that's what I've definitely taken with me when I was becoming a teacher, because I was like, you know, there's always this like idea that like, oh, yeah, you know, teachers shouldn't smile until like Thanksgiving break or like winter break. So then the students know that you're serious and that you don't take the crap. However, you know, I, of course, smile the first day, you know, I, I kept my tone like this and like just welcoming because I'm like, that's not who I am. Like, if I was to not smile, that it's just not me like I, I laugh and smile about everything so I think it would be torture to me to not be able to smile so I think I agree with you I think just finding that good balance of who you are and what role you play at your job but also creating boundaries right what are you comfortable with and what you're not comfortable with because I think that's what I had to quickly do with my students as I'm getting to know them as well as also with my work environment and workplace so That being said, I'm going to, of course, answer your question about have I always wanted to be a teacher. So I've always wanted to be in the education field, but may not necessarily have dreamt to be a teacher, right? So I don't think that's really my dream job. Like, yeah, it's like I am doing what I want to do now. Not no offense, of course, I do really enjoy it. But what I mean by that is I've always wanted to be an administrator because I wanted to make bigger changes than just in the classroom. And I'm not undermining the changes in the classroom because that is honestly the main bulk of the work. But I wanted to, in a sense, create a sustaining environment for everyone, not just students, but also staff, you know, the administration and operations team, all the people that goes under the umbrella of working at a school. So I also knew that in order to be a good administrator, I need to work my way up to understand all levels to not just assume anyone's position and work. So by becoming a teacher first, come to really understand the struggles and what goes on in the classroom and see what teachers really need. And of course, teaching has been really, really difficult, especially my first year teaching and doing my master's, but also with this pandemic that occurred. So no teachers ever prepared to teach in distance learning, but that was definitely a curveball I was not expecting. But when it comes to just deciding to be a teacher It was really difficult for me because in undergrad, I was planning to be pre-med at first. And so when I decided not to be pre-med anymore, I remember it was like after bio lab, four hours of bio lab that I did not understand anything. We were talking about fruit flies. Like, I don't even remember the like scientific name of it because of course, right? It didn't mean anything to me. I remember I was like, okay, I'm going to call my dad and tell him that I'm no longer going to be pre-med. So I called him, you know, I was like nervous, scared. And I remember just crying to him like, yeah, dad, like, I don't want to be a doctor anymore. I'm going to just become a teacher because I really enjoy it. And I'm probably going to major in English. And I was like very surprised because he was very perceptive of it. But he, I think he also knew that that was never my dream. I think that's something that in my community, we really praised highly upon, right? Becoming a doctor because of that financial stability and as well as that demand for, you know, that job. So I think having his approval and being okay with me pursuing something that I enjoyed was really important to me. And then jumping to senior year, because I think I never really questioned becoming a teacher afterwards. I think it was just more like, oh yeah, I'm majoring in English and organizational studies. I want to do just something more. It was senior year when I was applying to my master's program and also really debating what I want to do and if I should just apply to jobs because so many of my peers I remember like Teresa was like yes I'm applying and getting all these like interviews and like feeling really secure at the job that she is in and I was like maybe 
maybe I don't want to continue school anymore. Maybe I don't want to do my master's. Maybe I just want to, in a sense, work in an office. I think that was like very romanticized to me because so many people were doing it. Like not a lot of people were doing their master's and it was such a difficult process because, you know, for undergrad, like I was in a lot of college access programs, like College Possible as well as Lita, which Lita has been so profound for Teresa and I. And like they helped me through each of the step. But the master's program, it was like, okay, you do you. Like that's if that's what you want to do, then go ahead. And so it was just so different and I think so scary for me. And so that's why I wanted to just be like, you know, maybe I might just want to work instead because that was I think that was a viable option for me. But then I just remember, right, like, why am I doing this? And it's like, okay, well, my dream and my goal has always been to be an administrator. So, of course, um, I want to be a teacher first. And so I was like, it's okay. Like, I <laughs> talked myself in. And, and of course, I know Teresa remember, like, me having to talk to her through the process over and over again. And going back and forth, being like, Teresa, like, I want to, in a sense, just work and you know get money and just feel rewarded for the past four years of of undergrad and really appreciate Therese for of course you know really pushing me and helping me unpack and analyze like why I'm where where I'm at and to just continue to encourage me and to support me and my goals and my dreams and my decisions especially since of course it's always really scary and really difficult and so I think also one of the scary moments for me was deciding that I was going to complete my master's with Claremont Graduate University and it was like right away we have a month we have to find a job and I was like I do not feel prepared to find a job as a teacher. Like, what? Like, I have no experiences. Oh, not that I don't have any experience because I have taught and worked for the Boys and Girls Club before. But it's like, who am I to compete with other teachers here in California who are veteran teachers? And so I think that really brought me a lot of imposter syndrome as well as I was taking my CSET test, which is for English. And so there's four tests and I failed three of them. I remember I was like, wow, like, I don't know how to complete these tests. And it's really scary for me to let someone else be judging my writing and my skills to be a teacher. And so I think I remember journaling the day after I got my scores and I was just like completely venting on a Google Doc about how I felt, how crazy and impossible this all seems. And I'm just really glad to reflect back on it, which was, I think, once again, really wild to me to think back about my master's journey, as well as my first year teacher, because those two combinations does not work well together. And I think it has taught me so much resiliency. And once again, reminding me why I'm doing this, which is, of course, once again, for my students. And so, yeah, I think, of course, answering it really shortly. Of course, I did not want to be a teacher at first, but I think with all the continued struggle and rewards as well, I'm, I'm so glad that already been a teacher for two years and been so rewarding to look back and just see all of my strengths and all my resilience. But of course, thank you, Therese, for continuing to be in every step of you know my process. So I think growing up, I've always imagine right and, and romanticize that like oh yes like working in an office is where the CEOs and where the bosses are but then I realized that like I kind of need something more right and so that's why I've always kind of knew that like I'm more of a people person even though that's what I've kind of romanticized that that's 
how people are successful. And so I think the funny thing is also as you're talking about the different job and you work in retail and everything is I've always wanted to work retail and at McDonald's, right? Because I think those two jobs are like supposedly the most difficult jobs to have. But like, I kind of want to experience it too. Like, of course, I always joke with my partner. Like, I'm like, I'm going to work at retail and and at McDonald's with a master's degree, right? (laughs) Just because of course, it's very undervaluing my my credentials, right? But I think it's just it'd be really interesting, right? Because now I want to better understand the position, also the demand and the requirements and the skills that it takes for those two jobs, just because I think it's really interesting not to undervalue that position, right? But I think it's just really, it would be really interesting. And, and I kind of want that experience. And maybe one day, you know, when I can afford that, um, I would love to, of course, work at retail or McDonald's. But I think also something that you said that, that you talked about was very profound that you don't have to be tied to a job, right? Just because I think that's where it always sometimes ends, right? When we ask kids, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? But like, that's just one like that's, that only allows them to give us one answer. But it's like, we all know that like people change career all the time. And so I know, Therese, we've had our you know, conversations before, but something profound that you've asked me was what kind of life do you want to live? I think that's so profound to me because it's so true. I, I really like the way that you've chosen your values that you want to a security and stability. And so that's kind of the life that you want to live. And so I think asking kids or anyone that, right, what kind of life do you want to live? It's not just, I'm asking you what kind of career you want to have, or if you want to have kids or whatever, but right, like, what kind of life do you imagine living? Because of course, right, we only have one life, like, how do you imagine it? And how are you going to work for it? And, and it's more than just, of course, I want to have this career, I want to have this many kids, but like, what kind of values and morals are you going to convey through your actions? So yeah, I think you said a lot of great things. And so that being said, you were going to kind of switch gears to what does your typical day to day look like? And you could talk about um, when we were in person as well as now that we're in a pandemic, uh, just to give us maybe a little bit more perspective. So I'm curious, what does your typical day to day life as a teacher look like? My, my day to day, when I was teaching in person definitely looks very different than now in distance learning. So I'm going to, of course, just discuss both to just give a bit more perspective into the two. So when I was teaching in person, I would wake up at 5.45am to shower and get ready for work, then begin walking to work at 6.45am. And I remember it was so difficult to get used to, because I'm not a morning person at all. And so that has kind of like taught me to, of course, begin to sleep early and then wake up early as well. So if I didn't sleep at 10 p.m. every night, I would feel like the next day is going to suck. I'm not not saying that it's already predetermined, but it's just like I need my eight hours of sleep to be able to function as well as to like, I don't just feel good about myself. And so that's, I think, really wild to me to sleep at um, 10 p.m. because I would never do that. Um, I think the last time I did that was like maybe when I was in middle school. But that being said, so started walking to work at 6.45 a.m. And of course, I didn't know how to drive then nor own a car when I was teaching in person. And so I lived like a 25 minute walk from work. So I decided to just walk to and from work. And then I'll get to work at around like 10, 10 or 7.15 a.m. and look over my lessons, print anything that I needed and just prepare for my first class. And then the bell will ring at 7.35 a.m. for the first class and students will rush in to settle down and get started on like the do now activity. And my school, we have block schedules 
field. So I'll have to teach class for two hours with nutrition and lunch in between each classes. So each day I only have four classes, including a one um, 45 minute session with my advisory. And then at 3.30 p.m., that's when the last bell rings to dismiss the students and I continue staying in my classroom to grade or finish my lesson for the next day. And then depending on what day it is, I'll go to the gym or just go home to relax and cook dinner and then repeat the process again. And so I think when I was teaching in person, it seemed a little bit kind of like repetitive. However, I think the student interactions is what made it really fresh to me because each of my class, they had a different personality. And I mostly taught, I still do, right? But I mostly taught 10th graders. So I taught four sessions of 10th grade and one session of 11th grade. And I think it was just really interesting to see the different maturity levels between the 11th graders and my 10th graders. But now in distance learning, because I'm in Wisconsin, I'm actually like two hours ahead, which is really nice for my sleeping schedule. Since I start most days at 12 p.m. and end at 6 p.m. So Mondays and Tuesdays are asynchronous days where I record a video of my lesson and my students just work on it independently. And then on Wednesday and Thursdays, I teach synchronously. And so that's when I teach three classes each day and it's from 12 to 6 and then on Friday, I have professional development where I'm where I meet with all the teachers and staff and we go over skills and any updates or news. And then I also have office hours right afterwards. So my day to day looks very different now in distance learning because it depends on what day it is. But I think it's mostly on Zoom with students or in meetings. And so I think it's very different than my in-person. So I know when I said my in-person, it seems very repetitive. I think the schedule seems repetitive, right? Like I have to wake up at this certain time. And this is when the time where when I can leave. But I think when I look at the small details of it, it's not as repetitive because it's like different interactions as well as different students and different activities depending on the level of learning of my students, right? So I'm trying to differentiate the learning. However, now with Zoom, even though the schedule is a little bit different, right? Because depending on what day it is, it's actually like when I look at the details, it's a lot more repetitive, right? Just because I think when it comes to the interactions with my students, there's a lot less. And I think it's just really difficult because I feel like I'm just sometimes talking to myself when I'm teaching. So it's really difficult, but I'm just glad that we're working through and trying to make sure that everyone's safe and healthy during this time. For your job since working, what has been a very memorable moment for you? One of the most memorable moments for my job was actually last year. It was my first year teaching once again. And before school ended, I sent all my students a Google form because I wanted some feedback about my teaching. And so I wanted all my students to do it. Of course, it wasn't for a grade, right? Because I just wanted a little bit insight of like what worked for them, what didn't work, what was something that they've learned, what is something that they want me to continue doing, to stop doing and to maybe change up. And so one of my students, he completed the Google form, you know, was very honest. And at the end, was like, what do you want Ms. Wu to know? And he said, thank you, Ms. Wu, for never giving up on me. And for me, like, that meant a lot because he was a student that struggled a lot. And we had a really good connection. We, we talked, made jokes and stuff. But like what I said before, right, even though I may have these connections with students and have this buy-in, sometimes it's so difficult for them to still do well, right? Because a lot of times teachers are always like, yeah, like create these connections and soon on they're going to do well in the class. And I knew that didn't always translate it. And so I 
and continue to, you know, still support him and also incentivize him in very weird, different ways. So this one time I was like, if you got to see by the end of our next grading report where I'll give you a bagel because I used to eat bagels a lot. <laughs> I used to eat bagels a lot in class or, or, or during lunch. And so sometimes my students would join me for lunch. And so I was like, yeah, because this one time he asked me for a bagel and I was like, nope, you have to, you know, get a C first. And so he did. And I get, and I gave him a bagel, but and I think that's what is memorable to me because he knew that I didn't give up on him. I didn't just be like, oh, like, oh, you didn't get a seat. Never mind. You know, you're not going to get a bagel or like, if you're not going to do well by this certain time, then I'm just not going to encourage you anymore because you're not going to do well anyways. And so I really appreciate that he saw my effort, but he also knew within himself that he could do it. And so that's definitely my most memorable moment. To know that you've played such an important role or such a impactful role in someone's life like even their age it's you're gonna be someone that they won't forget yeah thanks so much Kia thank you Teresa I think getting that validation is definitely so important to remind yourself that you're doing well and that you're important to your company and that it's not just getting going unnoticed because definitely I think some other memorable moments for me is also getting that validation from my principal so I definitely understand what you mean when you're being recognized by I think you said like senior management right and so that being said I think something that we can take away from this conversation is that your job doesn't define you at all your values and beliefs is what you pour into your job and in all aspects of your life that really makes it worth it thank you all for listening to this episode tune in every other Friday to laugh cry and listen to our life in the making <laughs>